You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414-988-3079. Hit to the promised land. Far, far. 
far, far away, far, far away, far, far away. I am I a Rasta children, I am I a Rasta children, we come from Zion. We come from Zion. Rastafari coming from Mount Zion. Holy Mount Zion. I am a Rasta children. I am a Rasta children. We come from History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people Hello, is the same of Africa. As the I greet you in the name of the Universal Negro Improvement Association and African Communities League of the World. You may ask, what organization is that? It is for me to inform you that the Universal Negro Improvement Association is an organization that seeks to unite into one solid body the 400 million Negroes of the world the link of the 15 million Negroes of the United States of America with the 20 million Negroes of the West Indies, the 40 million Negroes of South and Central America with the 280 million Negroes of Africa for the purpose of bettering our industrial, commercial, educational, social, and political conditions. As you are aware, the world in which we live today is divided into separate race groups and distinct nationalities. Each race and each nationality is endeavoring to work out its own destiny to the exclusion of other races and other nationalities. We hear the cry of England for the Englishman, of France for the Frenchman, of Germany for the German, of Ireland for the Irish, of Palestine for the Jew, of Japan for the Japanese, of China for the Chinese. We of the Universal Negro Movement Association are raising the cry of Africa for the Africans, those at home and those abroad. There are 400 million Africans in the world who have Negro blood coursing through their veins. And we believe that the time has come to unite these 400 million people for the one common purpose of bettering their condition. The great problem of the Negro for the last 500 years has been that of this unity. No one or no organization ever succeeded in uniting the Negro race. But within the last four years, the Universal Negro Movement Association has worked wonders in bringing together in one fold four million organized Negroes who are scattered in all parts of the world, being in the 48 states of the American Union, all the West Indian Islands, and the countries of South and Central America and Africa. These four million people are working to convert the rest of the 400 million 
scattered all over the world. And it is for this purpose that we are asking you to join our hands and to do the best you can to help us to bring about an emancipated race. If anything praiseworthy is to be done, it must be done through unity. And it is for that reason that the Universal Negro Movement Association calls upon every Negro in the United States to rally to its standards. We want to unite the Negro race in this country. We want every Negro to work for one common object, that of building a nation of his own on the great continent of Africa. That all Negroes all over the world are working for the establishment of a government in Africa means that it will be realized in another few years. We want the moral and financial support of every Negro to make the dream a possibility. Already, this organization has established itself in Liberia, West Africa, and is endeavoring to do all possible to develop that Negro country to become a great industrial and commercial commonwealth. Pioneers have been sent by this organization to Liberia, and they are now laying the foundations upon which the 400 million Negroes of the world will build. If you believe that the Negro has a soul, if you believe that the Negro is a man, if you believe the Negro was endowed with the senses commonly given to other men by the Creator, then you must acknowledge that what other men have done, Negroes can do. We want to build up cities, nations, governments, industries of our own in Africa so that we'll be able to have a chance to rise. You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Hotep and greetings, my sisters and brothers, and welcome to the Black Reality Think Tank. I am your host, Dr. William Rogers. I'm so happy that you are able to join us here this evening. Uh, we are both on internet and telephone, and so if you would like to come in and talk with us, our format is to entertain uh, calls and questions. You can do so by calling area code 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. And we would love to hear from you. Tonight we're talking about black leadership. We're talking about uh, the missing, the void of black leadership uh, in America. We're talking about where are the black men forward. You just heard the recording of one of the most powerful if not the most powerful black leader that has ever uh, put the feet on the U.S. soil. And he was attempting to create an organization called the United Negro Improvement Association, better known as UNIA, the great Honorable Marcus Bosiah Garvey. So we are looking tonight at that type of leadership. Uh, we are looking at other forms of leadership, the great Malcolm X, some of uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, uh, who also has followed in the pattern of a Gaviite and uh, had created an organization that's still around uh, today. It's still empowered black folk. So I think it's important for us to do that as a community, uh, as we prepare our children, as we talk about building wholesome and empowering communities. we got to talk about leadership. Uh, we must decide that, and we must determine how that's, what that is going to look like. <clears throat> we must create an agenda as well as a curriculum to put it in place. So I am so happy that you are here tonight as we talk about black leadership. I have with me a very good friend. He's a personal friend, a dear, dear, dear brother. But he's also a very powerful entity in his own self. 
Um, he is a psychotherapist. <clears throat> he has a wonderful practice uh, in Phoenix, Arizona that he uh, is uh, currently working with. And uh, he has worked with young African-American men and families uh, for many, many years. He has publicly spoken. He is a public speaker on the cause and the rights of African people. And he has spoken all out this, throughout this country. And we are just so happy that he could take time from his busy schedule. He had to rush here, rush home and grab his phone through all that busy Phoenix, Arizona traffic and get to us to, to uh to share with us some ideas and thoughts that he has as it relates to building strong black leadership. How do we do that? Uh, what does it look like? <clears throat> How do we keep it in force? And so I'm happy to have him here with us as long as, as well as you and others that will be joining us here tonight. So with that, let's get right into it. I'll, let me introduce to you my very good friend and colleague, Brother Alfonso Watkins. Good evening, Brother Watkins. How are you doing? Peace and blessings to you, Baba. How you doing this evening? Doing one, doing wonderful, wonderful. Happy to have you here. I tell you that. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you and the African family, Baba. Great, great, exactly. So uh, tonight, Brother Alfonso, we're going to try to chop it up a little bit about uh, African leadership and uh, what that looks out. And let me just kind of state again why uh, we need to do that uh, as we look at. Uh, demographically and the social specifics of the African community uh, throughout America, and not even that throughout the world. As we as we look at that, what do we see? Um, what what is what is missing? Uh, and 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 the reason that I ask what is missing uh, is because there's obviously something missing because of the fact that we have not enabled. Uh, to champion in a successful way uh, a good community. As we look at uh, all of the shootings and killings and uh, all of the different things that are going on in both white and black community, but necessarily in our community. And we have to address our community. That's the word about sometimes why they're doing it or not doing it. We have to look at why are we doing it. Why is that happening to, to us as a people? Why has it been happening for so long? Uh, African people emerged from the system of captivity on a legal basis uh, since 1865. But yet we still have not been able to break the yoke of slavery and move forward. We are still having to deal with things such as the right to vote. Why do we have to talk about that in 2022? You know, when are we going to break that and demand that we will vote. We don't have to negotiate with you or get the rights from a, from a people to vote, to have a job, to be able to have a home to live in, uh, and have it a, a decent wage. Why is it that we have to try to get other people to allow us to educate our children? Why can't we educate our children ourselves? I don't understand that. And we've been waging this fight since 1865 when supposedly this piece of paper was signed to say that we no longer be, could be held in chattel captivity. And that's really what it said. It can't, you just can't be held as property anymore. So why are we still fighting that, you know, 100 years later? 
why hasn't anybody been able to turn this this whole uh, ship around and go back in a better direction? And that's to counter tonight. Now, obviously, we cannot sit here in two hours and answer that question. <clears throat> but at least we can begin uh, to sort of prick holes in it. And hopefully some of us can see why we need to come together and do things. And obviously what we're saying tonight, the reason why we haven't been able to do that is there's not been a very good example of strong leadership to lead us to do that. Any culture, any people have a leadership. There's a head uh, that's there. That head has the information uh, on how to do things. That head has the, the connect to God who has provided them with the direction to lead. That's, that's throughout the history of human existence. That's always been that way. We haven't had that. Uh, and so tonight we want to talk about it. We want to get ideas. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there is it. There has been. Uh, I'm going to put that possibility out there. I'm not saying that it's not. But tonight we want to talk about it. And we want to talk about it from two different perspectives. The first perspective is that we want to look at it from the physical political, economic position. And then we want to look at it uh, more in terms of a, uh, we call it clinical, but we, we want to say a, a, a medical, spiritual piece that might be missing somewhere there. And, and if so, how do we get that back? How do we pull it together? You know, we've got some basic tenets of human life that we don't do. And one of them is that we fight Men and women fight each other. Our men and women literally fight each other. And as long as we're going to fight each other, then our kids are not going to be whole. You can't, you can't tell a kid to be whole and do the right thing, and, and his mama and his daddy is at each other like they're crazy. Or he picks up the paper and sees that somebody's shot his mother and done or put the body in a trash can. And, you know, all of that ridiculous stuff that we are seeing happening right now in 2022. And so that's what we're getting at. It's a big picture. It's a, it's a hard fight. Uh, solid rocks to try to break through. But we're going to try to do it. We have to do it. And uh, we must continue to, to do that. And sometimes we have given up on that fight. So tonight I've asked my brother to join me and obviously you, the audience, to come forward to help us go to weed through all of this to see what direction we need to go, what are some tools that we need to use, how do we create systems that we can teach our kids about how all of this works. Um, they got to see it. There's an old saying that says children will be what they see. But right now what they see is rough. You know, so they will never be. So we have to change that. How do we do it? And what is it that we do? So, Brother Alfonso, let's get into it. I want to start off by asking you, um, when we originally were going to pull this topic together, you talked about the two methods of why there might not be good leadership. So I want to get to that. But before we get to that, I want to ask you, can you give us a working definition of what a community leader is or what is the leader of its people um, what is that? What does that mean when you say we need a strong leader? Uh, what What is a leader? How do we How do we define that and work with that? Um, 
Once again, Baba, it's always a pleasure to be with you and in, in the African family. Um, the first thing I must always do is give honor and praise to our Creator for creating us in His image and out of Her likeness and giving us the breath of life and opportunity to live another day. And hopefully, we will be positive, traveling spirits. Second, I must give honor and praise to our ancestors, male and female who sacrifice blood, sweat, and tears so we may enjoy some of the freedoms that we have here in this stolen land they call America. Right. And for those of us who understand that, we say Ashe. Um, part of, um, in, in this conversation about um, a leader, um, it, is, is, I think from a historical perspective, when we look at um, uh, from 1865, to the, I'm going to say the 1930s, there was an explosion of um, African or black consciousness um, with the uh, understanding of what brothers and sisters had um, started writing or books that were being shared um, in the black and African community that woke up our, um, I'm going to say our ancestral consciousness uh, or our ancestral awareness about who we are um, as a as a collective group of people, mm-hmm. so so when we talk about it, I think from an African perspective, it's not necessarily a, a leader, but it's an uh, a individual who reps- represents a collective consciousness that comes out of a cultural orientation. Mm-hmm. So 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 a working definition of that is a uh, once again an individual who or individual who are the elders that represent a uh, collective cultural consciousness that moves a, a, a group or a group of individuals in, in a direction that is in the best interest of that group. Um, so, so I would say that's what a, uh, when, when, you, when we think about leader, leader is not necessarily an individual, but a, a collective group of people who are functioning out of a, a collective consciousness in the best interest of the group or race or ethnic group. Great. I like that. I like that. Uh, um, the, the first thing I would like to read, Baba, back to what you were saying about um, us as a people who share the same, um, I'm going to say, social historical experience. Um, a lot of times when we talk about ourselves, um, there are those of us amongst us that feel we're not a monolithic group of people. And and, and so I, I, I like to always attempt to create a frame of reference where individuals don't necessarily have to agree with it, but there's, there's a reality to how we are treated in this country as a monolithic group of people. It don't make no difference what you call yourself, what level mm-hmm. of education, what economic status you have, we that function or live in this country are governed by the Constitution of the United States. Uh-huh. And, 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 that, and that Constitution um, um, verifies or, or, or recognizes us as the descendants of kidnapped and enslaved Africans. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so, once again, regardless of what fraternity or sorority, if you're a Mason, if you're a Muslim, uh, you are elk, you are whatever you choose to call yourself, mm-hmm. when it comes to the laws of this country, 
you still are governed by the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. Uh And and you made a good point about the reality that um, every 20 or 25 years, whatever president is in office, if he does not sign that Voting Rights Act, none of us have a right to vote. Uh-huh. regardless of what you, you, you consider yourself to be. So so there's a reality, and then there's the actual or actuality of the reality of who we are and how we are treated in this country. Uh-huh. So, so I just wanted to lay that, that, that foundation is when people talk about we got monolithic, but we be, we're, we're treated as a monolithic group of people, like regardless that. of how we see ourselves. I like that. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I want to read a um, quote from um, Baba Wilson um, as it relates to when you said why we haven't been able to um, create a, a, a mechanism for us to change our condition. Okay. Um, Baba, Baba Wilson says... Amos, no Amos, Amos Wilson, you're talking about, right? You're talking about Amos? Baba Wilson. No, Amos. no, Baba Wilson. Yeah, right. Carter G. Wilson. Carter G. Wilson. Oh, Carter G. Wilson. Okay, all right, gotcha. Yeah, Carter right. G. Wilson. Uh-huh. He said, no systematic effort toward change has been possible for it taught the same economic, history, philosophy, literature, and religion which has established the present code of morals. The Negro mind has been brought under the control of his oppressor. Right. right. And, and so, so I just want to start this conversation off as it relates to all of us or many of us understand that we have been educated, schooled under the same condition or same system or social construct as our oppressor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so that creates a personality configuration that many of us function out of. Now, so when you think about uh, looking at us from a historical context, um, up until the 19, I'm going to say about from 1865 to about the 1970s, we were, to a certain extent, we were isolated from the Europeans. Mm-hmm. We, we wasn't receiving, we weren't necessarily receiving the same, we weren't part of this society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were segregated. So, so when you look at what type of human beings were being produced when we were segregated, you recognize that there was a different type of socialization or education taking place because we were producing race people then. Right. So, and, and what I mean by race people family is that people understood that they represented their race. It wasn't no individualistic type thing. When something happened, all of us were impacted. I, I can remember uh, when, we, when we first got a TV, uh, and I, you know, I was a little short. When something happened on the, when, when we got to watching the news, first thing I, my, my, my grandparents, my parents would say, "Did no black person do that?" Mm-hmm. So, so, and, and, I, and I'm taking, and I'm just saying that to say there were certain behaviors that we didn't display because we weren't necessarily being integrated or socialized into the European society. So once we integrated, we began to lose our culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we and, and, and the production of a different type of human being began once we integrate. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I'm just saying that to say to give us a foundation or frame of reference to, to have this conversation out of instead of individuals just talking about their their, their personal opinion or or their, their beliefs or their values. There's from a historical perspective, 
you as a historian, you can lay out from a history perspective of what type of human beings we used to be. Right. Well, uh, let me let me just interject just right here, for uh, Brother Watkins. I'd like to remind our audience, whatever background uh, things that you are doing, uh, if you have your telephone on or if you're using a microphone, it's going to come through. And right now there's someone working in the background and that, that noise is coming through very loud. So we'd like to ask you to please be mindful of that and either mute your telephone until we are ready to, you know, engage in a conversation with the, with the whole group. Uh, because that definitely does distract <clears throat> from what, uh, you know, our guest is saying. So I, I really appreciate that so much if you do that. And that way I can open up everybody's mic. I don't have to ever mute it yourself. You can just kind of mute it for yourself. Uh, so, right. Okay. So, uh, so Brother Alfonso, I get you. I, I hear what you're starting off. We, 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 there's a conditioning process that's been done on us uh, from the moment we were uh, kidnapped from Africa and brought into that 400 block of time. And uh, it has changed generationally, uh, you know, our descendants and ourselves uh, in a very strange way. It, it kind of reminds me uh, of, I remember very early in my educational years, there was something that a teacher said uh, to our class that stuck with me. Uh, it just somehow or the other, it hit me right away, and I have never forgotten it. He said, the two greatest inventions on the planet Earth was the domestication of plants and animals. And I thought, because when he said it, I said, I figured he was going to say, you know, uh, invention of electricity or <laughs> light or either uh, or rockets and, you know, things like that of that nature. He said the two greatest inventions on the planet Earth was the domestication of plants and animals. And uh, I have I've never forgotten that because what happens is that if you can a horse it comes into the planet not to race to make money for people that's not what the the purpose of a horse was it may not have been the purpose was to be a, a source of transportation that wasn't what a horse was but once you were able to take that animal which is one of the strongest animals on the planet and break him and break that horse to the point that you can get on his back and ride him, um, you have accomplished a major feat. And for us as a people, we have been broken. We have been broken to the point that uh, perpetrators can come in our midst and do things to our children. And do things to our women, which is the source of our, our continuing genealogy basis. And do things to us, and you won't do anything about it. That's a broken animal. And so yeah. I assume that that's what you, you are saying. We have to take that in consideration when we talk about leadership, is that you're talking about people that have been systematically broken. Now, let me say, it's not necessarily meaning that uh, this was something that we were weak and let them doing because they break gorillas. They break lions, tigers. Uh, they can break a snake and make the snake not bite you. And that is in his nature to do that. So I think we have to start from there. Is that what you're saying uh, in, in, in a sense? 
Is that the description? Yes, Bob. Yeah, that that's where I'm going with from a scientific or clinical perspective. Right. Um, right. Um, so, because like I said, a lot of times when we have these conversations, um, we we we're not dealing or having the conversation out of the I'm gonna say the actuality of the reality. Right. The science, <laughs> right. the science behind the science. Right. That's exactly right. So, so I, so I can, like I said, I just want to lay that foundation. So when we start, so when the audience start getting engaged in the conversation, that they're thinking critical about how they're going to respond to what me and you talking about. Right. Beautiful. Because I think a lot of times we're not critically analyzing or critically thinking about the subject matter. Right. We, we want to bring our own opinions in, and and I'm not talking this conversation based on my opinion. I'm talking based on what I know from a historiography or scientific, scientific or, mm-hmm. or from that from that lens. Right. This ain't my opinion. Now, this is we can do the research and research shows how they uh, systematically has put uh, used legislation, laws and policies to to, to distort and do science I mean um, social engineering of behavior. Right. Exactly. And, and it so, is so, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go, so go ahead, Papa. No, no, you go right ahead. You go right ahead. So so, so in our conversation, we, we, we have to look at this from a, uh, a, a, a history or, or, or a social engineering perspective, but also what things were happening at particular eras in our evolution in this country. Mm-hmm. What were they doing? What type of policies were being put in place? Mm-hmm. What type of um, um, laws were being used? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what type, how how they placed us in, in certain isolation in certain ghettos and it didn't um, allow for, like, like for food deaths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so understanding that when we think about a, a social experiment or, or, or uh, a, a lab experiment, we have to look at how we have been socialized in this society. Right, exactly. It's always been where we have been put in a position where we are isolated and put off in a certain place where they are, they're, they're literally studying us. Let, let me ask you something so we can kind of look at it from uh, from a semantic standpoint as well. You said that you said uh, it's a socialization process. Yes. Okay. What about uh, could, could we substitute the word socialization for conditioning? Is that possible, sure, or does that take sure. it away from the meaning? That kind of takes away from the meaning because okay, let me, explain let, me read, let me read uh-huh. let me read some definitions for you. Um, when you think about schooling, schooling refers to a common content of skills, attitudes, and, and understandings required by the large society. Right. So when you think about when we integrated, we were being integrated into the society so that we could be workers and consumers. Right. We, that we weren't being integrated into the society to 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 be a benefit of the society. Right. So the definition of education, education refers to a deeper level of understanding and enables learners to interpret the reality around them. Right. So clearly we ain't been educated. Okay, gotcha. Because we, we can't even function in the reality around us. Okay. We, 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 ain't, we ain't even functioning in it as right. a collective group. Now there's a collective, collective I mean, there's a, a number of us who function in it, but as a, we, um, we're having this conversation as a collective group of people. Okay. Now, let me tell you why I said, why, why I interjected uh, conditioning as a, uh, along with socialization. The reason that I, I, would, I would lean myself personally as a historian more toward conditioning uh, is because there are some basic 
principles about human life on the planet Earth. Uh, like you said, it's getting to the to the nitty gritty part. The only way that we survive on the planet Earth is we must have food, clothing, and shelter. Right. If right. I can, if I can take those from you, if I can, if I can control your ability to acquiesce those things, then I will, uh, at that point, condition you to yes, do whatever okay. I say. Uh, I can bring a pit bull into my house that's mean as the devil, and I can take that pit bull uh, and use food to make him do whatever I say so that I can shut my eyes and go to sleep and don't have to worry about that pit bull, which is a killer dog, doing anything to me. So I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, that condition, like a horse, you, you train animals based on food. They, once right, they learn right. how to eat out your hands, you don't have to worry about them. Right. But so, yeah, go ahead. I'm I agree with you. I agree with you, Bobby. Not that you didn't articulate it from that perspective about the science of conditioning this organism. And that's another thing about us, Baba. We are so naive. And I'm going to use the word underdeveloped okay. about the sciences. Yeah, that's true. We, we, we are underdeveloped because we really don't understand the organism that we're traveling in. Right. We, we don't understand how it functions. Right. And, and, and the European has mastered that. Mm -hmm. He has mastered how to modify behavior mm -hmm. by conditioning. And it goes back to with the human condition, once you take away a human being's ability to feed themselves, clothe themselves, and shelter themselves, you can condition them. You got You em. can train them. You got them. You got them. They're yours. So, so, so. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You're right about that. Um, see, so, so I'm, I'm thinking then as we look at this, just for those who have just joined us, uh, we are looking at leadership. We're talking about leadership and why is there such a void of leadership in the black community? And, uh, and what has, why has there been for a long time? Why, why aren't there capable visionary leaders uh, to bring us and brother Alfonso Watkins, who is a psychotherapist, is explaining to us from his position as a, as a historian as well as a psychotherapist on how that might work, and that's what we are talking about now. Looking at some of those basic principles, and what we've done is we've gone back to the core of your existence on the planet, and the fact that if people can control that, they can control you, and so they do control food, clothing, and shelter. We don't fight wars over oil. We don't fight wars over diamonds. We don't fight wars over gold. We fight wars over food. If I can take your food and make you have to eat when I say you eat or what I say you eat or when I say you eat, then I control you. I was just reading now, I was reading, I've been you know, I follow this Russian-Ukraine uh, thing, and they said what Putin is doing now is he's blocking up Ukraine's ability to ship food throughout the world uh, because they are, uh, that whole region are major wheat producers. They produce enough wheat to feed over a majority of the world. 
And so right now, the reason that the, the Sudan, Sudanese people in Africa are starving is that they can't get bread anymore. They can't get wheat. He shut that off. He's a, he put a blockade in the middle of the, uh, the Black Sea so they cannot import and export that, that wheat back and forward. And so people are now beginning to starve. Right. And right. That, that's a weapon. Yes. And that's yes. what we're talking about. That's a weapon at this point. Right. And 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 when you look at the evolution of of black African leadership mm-hmm. um and what has happened as it relates to um especially as it relates to black males. Right. Um, right. there's a reality to if you once you start speaking truth to power, the reality of your assassination is 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 is, is is inevitable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 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 from a psychological perspective, those brothers, those of us who who take that risk and take that stance, realize that that at any moment we we can be taken out based depending on our ability to galvanize a, a mass of people. Right. right. If, so so if you are a eloquent speaker like Brother Khalid Muhammad, um, he had to be assassinated. Yes. Um, yes. Um, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, um, um, it, it just goes on and on. Fred Hampton. Mm-hmm. You you know so 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 when you think about leadership, you you there's a reality to those who are speaking the truth, the reality of of their assassination. So so looking at what is happening now in the 21st century, um, that now that we don't raise, we don't have race men no more. Okay. There's there's very few men who are in the in in that spotlight who are race men. If if I'm if I'm making sense, right? I know what you mean. Yeah, right. Yeah, yep. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. So 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 we 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 losing out on the um, uh, a model of 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 a um, a race man. And I'm gonna just go to like men like Arthur Ashe. I mean, when you think about Arthur Ashe. Um, when he was on the tennis court, he understood that he was a black African man, and he was representing the black family, not just black manhood. Right. The black family. You know, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali. Right. So That's when you look back at, in the 60s, good what type of men and women were being produced, we call those race men and women. Right. And, and so so we've lost that. We, we've been, there's very few race men and women now that that are on the on the scene that's interesting that's very interesting right so so as we as we as we had this conversation we have to look at once again what happened mm-hmm. and, and how do we scientifically in moving into the 21st century begin to produce race men and women race men and women. yeah so define for our audience in a little in a specific uh, language. What is a? How would you define race, man and woman? What is what is a race, um, man and woman? Those uh, once again, up until uh, from eighteen sixty five up until the eighteen, I mean nineteen sixties, um, our people understood that they were on the outside of this society, mm-hmm. and and so we functioned as a race of people. We, we understood that we were a race. Now we had different ideologies uh, as it relates to 
um, how we should engage in this. Mm-hmm. But we still understood that we was a collective group or a race of people. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's what I would define the consciousness that you are uh, 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 associated with a race. You associate yourself. And once again, we, we, we went from being, you know, Negro to to colored, colored, to Negro, to African, to African-American. So right. in, in that evolution, but we understood that we was a race. Right. And, and those individuals who had who were in the spotlight, they spoke to that. Mm-hmm. They used their platform to uplift, to change, to confront the conditions that we lived in. And so, very, so we so them, them race people. Right, and I very clearly the, the 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 brother that we played at the beginning of the program, Marcus Garvey, uh, was a race man, and, and no doubt about right. that. He understood that. Right. He understood what that right. meant. Right. Okay. So I think then, so what we're saying, so let's kind of bring everybody up to date because this time will go so fast on us, you know, especially when the topic is getting good. We're talking with Brother Alfonso Watkins. He is a psychotherapist uh, working in the Phoenix, Arizona area of our country. And he is also a historian. He's a wonderful brother. He's been spoke nationally all through the country. He's been a uh, a, a speaker, he organized an organization in Milwaukee uh, called the Elders Council, and uh, he's been at the forefront of the battle, like many of you that are out here now uh, listening to our program. He's been on the, he's been in the front, and he hasn't been afraid to stand up uh, and let people know that you know that we need to fight and that we must continue to fight. And so he's with us tonight as we talk about leadership. And what that needs to look like, and how did we get in this condition of not having the visionary leaders that we need, and what a leader meant, what what does that actually mean to be a leader? What are you doing? What are your what are your expectations as a leader? And so, very clearly, uh, we we are we are looking at some basic primordial things about human life that puts us in this condition. And uh, and one of the things that we've talked about is the conditioning. Of, uh, of our people and what captivity means you have to take in consideration when you capture somebody what is it that you do uh, and that captivity process is what we are trying to unravel is what uh, my good brother Dr. Bruce Bridges uh, in his book is recapturing the African mind and, right. yeah, yeah. How, and how do you do that what is it right. that you have to do to recapture? In order to understand that, you have to understand what was done uh, right. to, re- to, to capture the African mind. Uh, right. And they controlled our basic needs, and family needs, and visions and ideas. They made God look like them as one thing. They took away your ability to communicate with your brothers and sisters, gave you a different tongue. They changed the bloodline of your culture. They raped your women. Uh, they made your children come out looking like them. Uh, they embodied into the language of religion, um, having you to call uh, leadership father uh, and, and things like that. A, a very ugly process of conditioning. And it's the same kind of conditioning that's done to a dog, to a to a bull, you can make a bull. You know, everybody know what a bull is. You can make a bull so that you can ride it. And and however, the bull will try to throw you off. But if you can break him good enough, uh, you can ride a bull, you know. 
ride an elephant. Elephants didn't come into the world for you to ride them. You know, uh, you can't. You're not supposed to go in a cage and 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 take a chair with a whip and hold a lion back. That's that's not what they are in nature. You know, and you break that conditioning in nature using food, clothing, and shelter. And that's right. what we're talking about. We're talking about that conditioning process that was done right. to our people. And by the part of that conditioning process from a clinical or a psychological perspective is mm-hmm. what happens during the conditioning, it, you, 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 it's, it's, you have is historical amnesia. Ah, right. And historical amnesia is your inability to understand or recognize your original being. Right. So, so you're you in a state of hypnosis. Based mm. on the condition, it's not like you are incapable. And, and you know, every now and then, just like you were explaining about lions and and killer whales, every now and then one of them snap out of that shit. Yeah, they do. They they, they they recapture their mind. They, they recapture their lion mind. That <laughs> That's right. So, they will eat your and, and you know, Baba, every now and then some of us snap out of this. Too. That we do. That turn of so, snap. So, that turn of yeah, snap. So, it's an internal snap, and, and we say that they're crazy, but no, they really woke. Right. When we snap out of this hypnosis. You see, right. That's exactly right. So, 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 like I said, so as we had this conversation about leadership, we need individuals who we have given the necessary, accurate knowledge to lead, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where they understand there is no compromise. No compromise. None. No compromise. None. Ain't no compromise while we still in this condition. Mm-mm. So 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 that way we produce uh individuals or individuals who understand what the role of leadership is and the responsibility that comes with that. Right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And then if 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 for instance <clears throat> the 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 other conditioning doesn't work then what they'll do is take chemicals and use that to make sure it works. Uh, right. As they did the Native Americans and they, they, they did right. to us. You know, right. put that stuff in right. your bloodline and destroyed you for the rest of your life. Right. Alcohol, right. tobacco, narcotics have destroyed many of our people for the rest of their life. So even if they try to snap out of it, they're going to be limited to what they can do because now their body has been taken over and eaten up. As you said before, they don't realize a lot of times, you know, that biological uh, position of who they are. They will never be able to do anything anymore. Educate their children, learn at the level they need to learn uh, because of that condition. That's a major piece. And and they understood that as they began to once again, they were studying us from the time while we were on the plantation up to the present time. They've been studying us. Okay, right. To, to keep us in this state of hypnosis. Sure and you did. brought up a real good point about the um, biological and chemical warfare that is taking place that is being implemented on us. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of times when we have these conversations there's a there's a number of different variables and factors that we got to take into consideration when we're looking at ourselves, looking at our people, and and trying to understand the con- the behaviors that we see. Mm-hmm. 
Because mm-hmm. we didn't come out the womb like that. So no, there's we didn't. something no, we that, didn't. There's, something, there's something that they're doing that's producing the behavior. And so so there's a so there's another conversation as it relates to the modification of behavior or the modification of DNA mm. of genetics. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a whole nother conversation about warfare, Baba. That is it. That is exactly right. And you know, when I'm you know, the more research I've done a lot of research on looking at the Nazi war machine. Uh, and I don't know if how many people have looked at that deeply, but that was some evil stuff those people were doing. Oh, man. Yeah, brother. That <laughs> Nazi war machine was terrible. It was destructive. What are you saying? Mm-hmm. And I know you know they got them from America. That's they, right. They... They, they, the science, the science that they was using, they got it from America. That's so right. a lot of people really don't know that the the, the, the science of eugenics, of, of population control, that go. ain't a German thing. That's the, the, this America is, is the founding fathers of that. That's right. That's right. Now let me ask you this. Let's let's deal with this, and then we're gonna uh, take a break and open up the lines. And let's our audience. We've got a lot of uh, soldiers out here on the line who who are out there fighting, who kind of know some of the things that we're talking about, Brother Alfonso, and let's bring them into this conversation a little bit, get some of their input. But before yeah. I do, okay, all right, so we're sitting here and we're talking about all of the things that were done in this way and that way and, and how they was sophisticated over here and sophisticated over here. And if what it does, it sounds like we're trying to say that they had they had a foot ahead of the game of life that we didn't have that they had some kind of superior knowledge that we didn't have. Uh, how would you explain that? Because um, it it's kind of rooted in you know, and I know you know being a you being an educator and and you actually you know teaching in the middle school. I know you get this. It's like when a kid says to you. And we, when you're talking about slavery, they said, well, why didn't the people fight back? Why didn't they just let them beat up on them like that? Were they stronger than them? You know, how do, how do you explain that? How do we explain that uh, and, and, and make it to what we know, we know as a fact that the, what the European was doing and, uh, and, and, and creating these mechanisms of controlling. A lot of it was trial and error. I know that. But still, yeah. still there was some other stuff in there. How do you explain that? Why didn't we well, do it? Uh-huh. I mean, we have to recognize that um, when we have to go back at least, I mean, probably 6,000 years uh, where they uh, came, when they came out of Europe, um, the conditions that they came out there of. There we go. There we go. Um, now now we're talking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was, they, they came out of a condition that 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 created a personality configuration that they were fearless. Mm-hmm. And, and in their fearlessness, they were willing to sacrifice some of their people to accomplish the mission. Mm-hmm. So, so, so when you think about when they started coming into Africa, we didn't like bow down to them. We we was whooping they butt. So so we so they had to go back and regroup and come back with some different tactics. So um, I remember watching a documentary. Um, I think it was a British cat. It was called um, the Bible. 
guns and steel. You is, am I saying it right, Bob? I know you know about. It. Wait, which one is it now? It, the, the, it was a documentary about it was called the Steel Guns and Bible, something like that. Oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I don't remember the exact title, but yeah, guns. <laughs> Bible, uh, guns, Bible, and there was another thing in there too. Germ, steel, and gun. Okay. There we go. There we go. That's it. And the reason I bring that up is because there's a a lot of times when we talk about how we were defeated by them, um, we have to realize that they came in with some tools, with some weapons that we, we couldn't overcome. Right. Okay. And it's just like, you know, here, the Indians, I mean, the original, the native, the original people here was whooping them Europeans, but until they got their Gatling gun. Right, exactly. So a lot of times when we talk from a historical perspective, we have to look at the, the, some of the weaponry that they used to conquer us. Right, right. Now, you know, so, uh, have you ever seen this film as well? Uh, it was done by a French anthropologist. Um, and um, uh, the, the sister, Ray Don Chong, played in it. And um, and it, it had no talking. Uh, they were simply speaking in caveman language, or what, what you know, whatever that was. And what they were doing, uh, it was called the quest for fire. Yeah. Did you see that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, now that that film explains a lot for me, you know, in terms of that. And and if you if you remember, our elder. Uh, our ancestor and our elder, Dr. John Henry Clark, said what you were dealing with is a bunch of children that had been locked in an icebox for centuries, and then the icebox was opened up, and you let them out, and they were crazy. And they went completely crazy. And in that movie, Quest for Fire, you see that, because the fire becomes God. The fire was everything, because they had been shut down uh, you know, in, in caves because they had to leave, live in caves. And then you go back to Neely Fuller and Francis Crest Wilson and in their analogy uh, about uh, how all of that happened, uh, you know, in terms of, of, of that, that whole process, uh, the, the genetics, uh, you know, they were out of an albino state and they were cast out of the, the warmness of heat into the ice you know, and these are, you know, theories that, you know, these uh, uh, students of history and anthropology and all that stuff were, you know, you had that particular story, you know, and then the sister out of Temple, um, Marimba Ani, Yorugu, and what that was. And that was an evil spirit that was coming to rise, um, and it's bent on nothing but total destruction. Right, right. And, and before and before we go to uh, the break, Bob, I'd just like to say a, a lot of times, um, as as the descendants of kidnapping and enslaved Africans, when one of us brings forth a a theory or a hypothesis, right, we we are real quick to, to dismantle it and disrespect it. Exactly. Um, and 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 we fail to realize much of the Europeans. Um, educational system that we function on is falsification of consciousness. There we go. So, yeah. and, and so we we have to get to a place where we are willing to engage and invest in what uh, our African ancestral scholars and even scholars at the present time have put forth and do more 
research on that material. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think that's what we are seeing. So so to our audience, we are, we are trying to break this down into a sense of understanding why leadership is missing. Uh, a lot of it is by design. Uh, it's done in out of a state of captivity and conditioning. Uh, for, for those of all of you, don't forget uh, Pablo's dogs and Skinner's rats. That was all about conditioning and how to make it work. Those rats were put in a box. Uh, at one end of the box was cheese, and another end of the box was nothing. Uh, Brother Timothy, could you kind of mute your phone there for, for me for just a minute? Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, so Skinner's rats, Pablo's dogs. Brother Timothy, could you could you mute your phone just a second, please, sir? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. Um, so the the um, the rats were put in the box, and he put an electric field. You know, because you 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 psychology man, you understand yeah, how he yeah, did that. Exactly. Right, 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 right. And the rats smelled the food, and they they were hungry. They were starving, so they were willing to cross this electric field to go get that cheese, you know, even at the fear of death. Uh, to the point over time, they didn't, it, crossing that electric field didn't even bother them no more. A lot of our young brothers don't care nothing about no jail. Jail don't mean nothing to them. That's another home. So what they're getting out here doing, and you using jail as a deterrent, that's just another way of putting you in captivity. Yeah. Yeah. That's another way of putting you in captivity. That's all they're doing. They ain't scared of jail. <laughs> jail don't bother them. You right. And, and it goes back to what you were just talking about, the the in the in conditioning of a behavior that there's punishment and reward. Right. In right. the conditioning of the behavior. So so you got our young brothers and sisters who's sitting up looking at a computer or a phone and, and the glamorization mm. of the lifestyle of oh, you know, having all of these things mm. and then you go, I'm in a condition I can't get. So, so yeah, I don't, I'm going to go across that electric field. I'm, I'm a, I ain't got no problem with killing you to get it. I ain't got no problem with taking yours to get it because I'm, I'm being conditioned to have it and I ain't got it. Right, right. So, okay. so we have to recognize what what we seeing, and then the other piece of it is, so I'm hoping in the next next hour we can have some conversation about what's the solution. What, what's That's the, what, how yeah. do we have start having solution focused conversations about addressing what we seeing? That's great. That's exactly what I want to do. So let's let's take this break right quick, uh, and then we're going to uh, come back and uh, open up for lines. Let some of our uh, brothers and sisters who are, who are like I said who are warriors out here fighting every day just like we are. Uh, see what they are, and then let's 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 pose that bottom line question: What about the solutions? How do we begin to redirect uh, some of this, uh, you know, terrible terrible results of things that are going? So we take a quick break, and then we're going to come right back. <clears throat>
black people in America is inseparable from the problem of oppressed people all over the world. And until the uh, leaders of black America realize that our problem is inseparable from the entire international problem, uh, we will be considered a minority, we'll be considered an underdog.
Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414- You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Okay, we are back, sisters and brothers. I was trying to play that little clip there from uh, the Honorable um, Louis Farrakhan, who was uh, talking about his coming into leadership of the nation uh, and some of the challenges that he was uh, going to face uh, being that uh, new uh, leader and uh, and how he was saying that you would have to be able to uh, endure uh, the heat that's going to come after you. And that seems to be a pattern that really does happen uh, with folks who are in leadership position. You know, the people that you least expect will come after you and attempt to take you down, uh, talk about you, uh, say all kind of things, plot against you. And I just wanted you to hear uh, that little clip about that uh, and what needs to happen, because that's a that's a major part of, of leading people and leading a group. And as Brother Alfonso Watkins was saying earlier, uh, you, you've got to be focused so much on race and your people that you can't let that bother you. And I think about many of the the wonderful folk that uh, have led, uh, who have been in positions of power and have done, attempted to do effective jobs, people like the great Carter G. Woodson and all the heat that he took, you know, as he was trying to, to run the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History, the Honorable Marcus Pasaya Garvey and Unaya and how people were stabbing him in the back and uh, going against him. Those are things that you have to begin to count. I, w- I just wanted you to to be able to hear some of that, hear them uh, in their original words uh, talk about what they had to go through. Uh, Leadership is no joke. Uh, It's not an easy job. Uh, And so you have to be prepared. You have to have vision. And obviously we are seeing some of that because we are coming out of a very bad condition, uh, an attempt to try to lead. And a lot of the people that you lead have not recaptured their African minds yet. And so as a result, uh, you know, you are dealing with, as, as some of our leaders said, you're dealing sometimes with a foolish people or people who will hurt you, your own people. Never mind what the enemy will do. They will do it. And that's the kind of thing we have to be mindful of. So tonight we are talking about leadership and, and all of it from its uh, primordial basis in existence. I've invited my brother, my dear friend, Alfonso Watkins, uh, who's a psychotherapist, historian, uh, who has done many things in community to to try to resurrect our people, to come and talk with us about some of his thoughts and experience uh, as it relates to leadership positions and as it relates to doing things. So um, I thank him so much for that. So let's uh, first, uh, before I go to the lines, uh, Brother Alfonso, you want to give just maybe an uh, introductory comment about solutions. I know solutions can be tricky. Uh, you know, every solution ain't a solution. It has to have a cause and effect analysis. And right. uh, and so uh, you want to say a little bit about 
you know, how do we deal with that and how do we go at it? Um, I think it's important that we uh, tap into our ancestral uh, unconsciousness mm -hmm. about the nature of our enemy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what I mean by that, I, I, you, you, we in a condition based on something that has been done to us by our enemy. Mm -hmm. and, and we have to understand the nature of our enemy to come up with the solution mm -hmm. to this. That's just one, one from one perspective. And the other perspective is we, we have to start um, reevaluating what an African mind is. Because uh, the African mind is an evolution of time. And, and so the things that our ancestors were, were able to accomplish at that time, we, we can look back at that and, 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 and relish on it and, and honor it. But there's a reality to how do we use that level of spiritual insight to transform ourselves. Mm as a collective group of people. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so, so I would say, so once again, so I'm hoping I answered your question. As no, you did. This is it's just, it's just an introductory because obviously you, it's a lot deeper, go a lot deeper than that, but you're right. Uh, and that's, that's very good. Cause that, that sort of connects right into what the history says. Uh, I don't know how many of, of our audience have, uh, have read some of those novels uh, or, or those uh, historical studies that were done of things like slave pens and looking at uh, uh, going on the plantations and looking at it from a uh, scientific inspection method. And then they would sit there and write about it. Like South Carolina, for instance, had slave pens. Georgia had slave pens. So they would bring the Africans off of the plantations and other places and bring them to the slave pens to be sold. And there were men uh, and women who would be sitting in those slave pens are writing what they saw and writing how they act and using that as a way of teaching plantation owners and runners uh, what, how to control the Africans that they had in captivity. Whether you believe that uh, the really lynch letter was real or not, that was a process that was used in the willingness, and that is documented history. There are notes from slave owners that they wrote about what they saw on the plantation. And I've said to you, our audience, many times before, you need to read Thomas Jefferson's letters from Virginia, notes on Virginia, I'm sorry, notes on Virginia, where he used to walk through the plantation and write down notes on what he saw and the theories that he had about the people he had in captivity. And then this was used in the laboratories and in the, in the, in the universities of America, like the University of Virginia, uh, the University of Washington and Lee, uh, Brown, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and throughout the country. They used those studies to help plantation owners control the Africans. That's not fiction. That's fact. You can look it up anywhere. Any historian will tell you that, white or black. Mm -hmm. So anyway, let's go to our lines. Dr. Bruce Bridges, how you doing, my brother? Oh, 
All right, Dr. Rod, it's good to hear from you. It seems like I've been away for a while. Uh, yeah. We haven't been talking, but it's good, yeah. Good yeah. to be back again. You know, I've been on a long time tonight. You know I have. You yeah, I know you have. Yet. I saw you. I see you. So let's do oh, this. Yeah. Well, recapturing the African mind, Dr. Bridges. What, what, what's, oh. how, how are we going to do that? I think, uh, first of all, and, and, and my statement is based on, uh, you know, what your topic is, leadership. Uh, one one of the main things that's 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 missing, and yet you've hit, you said it, and also I think you playing the clip from uh, 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 Malcolm, uh, and 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 the, the 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 main thing is that we just don't know who we are. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. We don't know who we are. Mm-hmm. Any time anyone steps into a leadership position, he or she needs to know who they are as a person, and also, as Malcolm said, who we are as a people, and to understand that who we are as an individual person is not, is, 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 is inseparable from us on a global level, and we, we, we just don't know that. And the colleges and universities are not teaching those kinds of things today, and that's why, uh, uh, as you said in your advertisement, we're not developing leaders because mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're not teaching that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just not getting it. And um, until we get that, then I don't think we'll have the emergence of the leaderships, like you said. I mean, the, not leadership. Emergence of the leaders like uh, Malcolm and Garvey and Carter G. Woodson and, mm-hmm. uh, uh you know the other other people that you might want to call the David Walkers mm-hmm. and the Denmark Beezes and yes, Matt Turner and Harriet Tubman's and Sojourner Troops. All of these people, if you think about them, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Troops, David Walker, uh, even African leaders, Kwame Nkrumah and Julius Nyerere, mm-hmm. they had come into a consciousness of who they were as a people and the consciousness of. Uh, uh, I mean, the, the coming to who they were as an individual, and also a, 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 a world consciousness of us as an African people. That's what they had come into contact with, exactly. and uh, we, 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 we're just not getting that. Even when you go on a smaller level, like say uh, Ben Chavis and people who have led uh, uh, Howard Fuller's or smaller uh, groups or community organizations. You have to have a knowledge of who you are. Who you Everybody are. we're talking about have some idea of who you are as a people. You may not know everything and all the facts, like you said, and uh, of history and have, have, haven't uh, studied. But basically, you have to know who you are, and that's what's missing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really is, and we and we 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 we, we just not we we we're not getting it today. And I'm thinking about some of the people who are in. In positions uh, who could be leaders in our, uh, like some people who are these these celebrities that we have, athletes and entertainers, mm-hmm. they they just don't know who they are. They they, don't know they who make they, are. they they really don't. Mm-hmm. They make statements, and and I see it all the time. And what made Muhammad Ali the man that he was? He was an athlete, but he had become introduced to a Malcolm X who had been introduced to an Elijah Muhammad, right. and then. That's what put him out there. That's right. And that's what put him, that's what made him more than an athlete. You know, mm-hmm. people talk about LeBron James and some things that he does, and he does some things, and but they don't, they don't, and, and, and I think about it when you look at, um, when they put the microphone in 
front of the, 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 the mouths of Serena and Venus Williams. I mean, it's so much lacking, brother. It, that's, it's, it's, it's obvious that they, they're great tennis players, but that's it. <laughs> that's it. Right. That's right. So, so to answer your question, I think the major thing that's missing is, uh, is, is, is our people do not have a knowledge of self, and as Elijah Muhammad says, self and others. And right. as the brother just said, we don't, we don't know the nature of this beast that we're dealing with, and we don't know who we are. Those are two things that we need to know, who we are and who the enemy is. There we go. Yeah, that's Thank what I really, I really think that's it. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Brother Watkins, you want to respond to that? I say, I say. All right. Um, <laughs> say. Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 and I'm just thinking about this whole thing too, Doctor Rogers. Uh, uh, that's really what it is. Even if, if 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 we, you know, I hadn't thought about it too much. But when you think about, it, that's really what's missing that's in what's us. That's what's missing. Yeah. As a and, and 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 of course, the schools are not doing it. The parents are not doing it at home because many of the parents are young people. They haven't been exposed. The preachers are not doing it in right. the churches. Right. So people are just not, they're just not getting it. They yeah. go into these African studies programs around the, around the country, and they take classes on black history, and they know what's going on in the news, but they just don't have that, 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 the essence, the essence of who we are. They That's really true. don't. They're That's not true. getting it anywhere. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Dr. Bridges. Um, Brother Marcus, how you doing tonight? Yes, doctor, I'm good, doctor. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great, doing great. We open up the program with with the with the words of your of your one of your favorite people, the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, as he talked mm. about what he was trying to do in leading our people. So, what are some thoughts yes. you you've got about this leadership thing? You know, there is a in in that book is philosophy and opinions. He has a a little paragraph dear that says the aptitude of the negro to disobey orders coming from himself God has spoken that yeah. and you know I, you see right now with the mental state of our, our people are in mm -hmm. I really wouldn't advise our people to go out front and try to lead because <laughs> as you said we'll our people will shoot you in the back. Yeah, they will. You go and try to lead. So what we have to do is get behind them. You see, we got to get behind our people and push them forward. Don't get out in front and try <laughs> to lead them because they will shoot you in the back. <laughs> so we got to have an internal corrective force to deal with these bad actors, you see? Right. The bad actor gets rewarded for bad behavior. Mm -hmm. See, that's why the bad actor is out there doing, doing what he's doing, you know, because there is no repercussion, you see? They, they say, oh, ain't nobody going to do nothing. Right. But if the Negro know that there was some pain attached to bad behavior, that Negro would think twice. Right. Before mm -hmm. he, he, he or she get out there and do it, you know what I'm saying? Right. So we're going to have to clean house. And, you know, mm -hmm. cleaning house means we're going to really have to clean house. Right. Uh, China, 
had to clean house. They had to eliminate some of the bad actors. Mm-hmm. They had they had to weed them out. Mm-hmm. But in China is a power today. Ain't nobody say, ain't no sign up there saying uh, no dogs and Chinese allowed no more. Chinese. So we're going to have to adapt some of the same principles, the same methods they use to break our people. We're going to have to adapt some of those methods to correct it. Mm. We can't be using this non-violence. Oh, let's hold hands. Oh, let's... Because what happened? You know, the bad actor wins. Right. The oh. bad actor, just now, they sending the teeth. The teeth of Patrice Lumumba is on display. Yeah, the I teeth, saw that. I saw that's that. That's what's left of the brother. The teeth. They took his teeth out. Mobutu shouldn't have lived to old age. You see, mm. Mobutu shouldn't have lived to see old age. And him whole family. You see? Mm-hmm. So we got mm. to take it to that level. If we if we're really serious, we're gonna have to take it to that level. This mm. this nonviolent whole hands trying to get along with easy no, some of these people they don't want to get along. So some, some of our own people they benefit from our destruction so we're mm. gonna have to eliminate them with no remorse and mm. until we reach that point we're gonna be lamenting and another 10 years we're gonna be talking 20 years we're gonna be talking this because the bad actor is going to win right. there got to be some repercussion for the bad acting right. negro anyway mm. good brothers and sisters Keep yes. on keeping. Thank you, sir. Um, Thank you, sir. Um, Very much. Appreciate um, it. Uh, Brother Herbie White, how you doing tonight, Brother Herbie? Good evening, Dr. Rogers, and good evening to your guest, Brother Alfonso. Peace and blessings, brother. Yeah, I'd just like to make a couple of comments and ask the question. We spoke about, you know, the, the conditioning and people breaking out. When Colin Ferguson got on that Long Island Railroad train. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Amos Wilson said when Colin Ferguson got up that morning, his self-hate mechanism broke down. Oh. Yep. <laughs> you know. Oh. And, you, you know, we mentioned about the Nazis and some of their atrocities. Well, that really started about 50 years earlier in Namibia. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's who they practiced on. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, yeah, and, and you mentioned, Dr. Rogers, about reading the notes on Virginia where Thomas Jefferson walked around the plantation. He was writing down who he was going to rape that night. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not funny. I mean, you're right. <laughs> that's definitely yeah. not funny. <laughs> that's what he was doing. Yeah. But my question is, why do we need leadership? Mm-hmm. What's the problem? Gotcha. Before you can have leadership, you have to identify the problem to find people to help solve it. That's a good question. I, I'm on Brother Alfonso to answer, but before he does, I just want to say that one of the things that I've looked at uh, that sort of explains what you were, what you were asking in terms of the question is: Have you ever been on a road 
and you get to a certain point and and these little ducks are trying to cross the street but mm-hmm. there's always one duck that goes out there first so that those cars will stop and when that yeah. head duck goes out all the cars stop and that way the other little ducks can come on across the street and then when the duck the head duck gets over the other side it turns around and looks back to make sure all the other ducks are going to cross as well. So I'm thinking that that's just something out of nature, instinct out of nature, that tells you that these are my people and I want to make sure that they do not get hurt. That's that's my take on that, or how yeah, it's done. Yeah, and, and that duck recognized that the cars were a danger. That's right. That's exactly right. But so what we have to do is, is recognize what is our problem, why... Why, why do we specifically, as African people, need leadership? What is, what is the problem? Yeah. You know, poverty is not spontaneous. Poverty is engineered. That's right. That's right. Brother Alfonso, you want to take a hit at that question? Um, as, I'm, 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 as I'm thinking about our experience um, of living amongst these people, um, leadership is is needed as it relates to uh, guidance. Um, there's a, a a breakdown in our uh, relationship to to a black God, a uh, African God, and those who practice a relationship with that black God or the African God, and and so leadership gives you guidance to be able to live in accordance with your divine essence. Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily just just I mean there's there's a reality of a spiritual realm and a physical realm. But our ancestors, when you study what our ancestors were able to do, they understood the spiritual realm and the physical realm. And, and so leadership gives you guidance. And and, and so Part of what our issue is as 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 the descendants of kidnapping and slave Africans is is not having that ancestral relationship for the guidance. Um, and 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 in the guidance, there there are some executive decisions that have to be made, and that's what my the brother who spoke before you was speaking about. We we are we have not come to the realization that we gonna have to do damage to some of our own, mm-hmm. and, and that's a realization that we haven't come to grips with. So we haven't come to grips with a code of conduct as men. This this is now I'm talking to the men now. We have to come up with a code of conduct that we gonna govern ourselves by and we going to hold other men accountable to that code of conduct, mm-hmm. especially those who are doing destruction to our community. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's a reality we haven't got to yet. So some, some of our own people we're going to have to do damage to. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so there's a reality to how we're going to have to change this condition, and it ain't the responsibility of the women. It's the responsibility of the men to hold the accountability of what is going to go down in our community and what's not going to go down. And, and we ain't got there. We, we, we didn't lost that. Uh-huh. We did. We did. 
So, so, so to answer my brother's question about the leadership, why do we need leadership? We need leadership because leadership governs behavior. And so when you think about this system or society that we live in, what does the leadership do? Leadership governs the behavior of the society. How we going to act, what we going to act, when we going to act, what we going to get access to, how much we going to get access to. So so we need leadership. But what has happened to the black male, we have been effeminized. We, 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 we've been effeminized in such a way that we are afraid to confront this white man. We don't want to, we, we're afraid to confront him as a collective group of men. And so our women have lost respect for us and our children have lost respect for us. Because we need, we, we, it's, it's time for us as men to take a stand. And if that means, once again, I ain't saying we got to arm ourselves and go to war. I'm saying we need to arm ourselves and defend what's ours. That's, that's, that's the reality of what we're facing. Let's get one of our sisters, uh, and then uh, uh, Brother Timothy, I'm going to come back to you after this. Uh, uh, Sister Bonita, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fine. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. How do you see this, this picture of leadership? Uh, well, I want to, I hear the brothers saying that we may have to do harm to our own, and I think I understand the desperation in that, but I want to bring another energy to that in examining Pavlov's law of conditioning. One of the things that happened with that was that once Pavlov paired the stimuli with the response that he wanted so that the dog would salivate, uh, there was a connection made. And if you wanted to unpair the stimuli, there had to be the unpairing of the stimuli. You had to introduce another stimuli to be able to do that. But in that experiment with the extinction of the stimuli, there comes a point where there is a trigger by which the unpairing pairs back up. So one of the things I think is a challenge is we have to understand that information does not cure conditioning. Mm -hmm. We have to have practical avenues and experiences by which to unpair the stimuli of fear, the stimuli of women not respecting the black man, the stimuli of the black man not respecting the black woman, the stimuli that causes the children not to respect anybody. And so if we don't have avenues by which to unpair that conditioning, then we can't extinct the, the, the conditioning or the stimuli. And even understanding that even if we unpair it, because it, it has been conditioned, it can be re-triggered. And so... I think that one of the things that we could do is to begin to um, understand that we sometimes in our trauma get stuck in 
the story. And when we get stuck in the story, we are reminiscing and we're actually repairing the stimuli unconsciously and we can't get unstuck. And so I think one of the things, and I'll end with this because there's so much around that, um, is we have to create avenues which by directly modify the stimuli of fear. And part of that is we gotta admit we are afraid. We are afraid of this system. And it's real easy to be afraid because it is very hard to stand up to a system that feeds you, clothes you, dictates how you pay your mortgage, dictates how you spend your money. That's a very, very strong uh, pairing there that leads to our psychological condition of dependency. So so I think that one of the things that Garvey and Malcolm were able to do is they created systems by which to unpair and reiterate and develop and modify a new stimuli by which to produce a new experience. So I'll stop it at that. Thank you. Like that, Sister Benita. Like that. Uh, Brother Timothy, I promise you, I'm going to get to you, but I've, I've got a brother that just logged in that's a uh, very dear friend, a, a brilliant, one of the most brilliant minds that I know of. He's just logged on. He is a former municipal court judge. His name is. Russell Stamper. Brother Stamper, how you doing tonight? Hey, Brother Rogers, I'm fine, thank you, and I'm enjoying the program. Yes, sir, and thank you. contributions are many, and of course yours is at its finest as usual. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'm, I will be brief. Uh, uh, we, we have to understand that... Um, there are two different natures that we're dealing with, ours and theirs. And there is a war, a conflict for survival, and it's not uh, it's not approachable from some, from some kind of uh, integration or mm-hmm. you know, assimilation. Or that, that has not worked. It will not work. It's like banging your head against a brick wall. Right. Some of us have recognized that. Uh, you know, Francis Cress as well uh, recognized it, Bobby Wright. Amos Wilson, a number of us understand that what's going to have to happen is some kind of separation between us and them. I always maintain that the scripture says the earth is the Lord's Mm -hmm. and the fullness thereof. So the question is, who are the Lords of the earth? Are we not? I mean, uh, science has said that the enemy has only been here 6,000 years. Now, not only did the Honorable Elijah Muhammad say that, but uh, geologists have said that. Uh, So I maintain that the earth is ours and that we have to take it. We have to realize that it is ours, Mm -hmm. and they are not going to surrender it. They will destroy it before they surrender it. So we have to make up our minds that we have to form a collective consciousness that invokes the divine because we are the children of the creator and we have an element that the enemy does not. That's right. We have an element of divinity and we have to invoke it and bring it to bear against our oppressor and remove him from among us. 
-hmm. however that comes to be. Now, the first movement is a thought. We have to conceive and, and bring our consciousness to bear because we are brilliant people. Yes. We have to bring our consciousness to bear on this struggle and figure out how to approach it. But it's got to be a unified effort. And, and through that means, we will come upon what we have to do to break loose from the enemy's destruction. Yes. Um, our, our, our thinkers have written about this. Uh, I think about uh, uh, Jacob Carruthers. He talked about, um, you know, intellectual struggle. Right. That we are not the same. We cannot be the same. We shall not be the same. We were not the same. We are different beings. And right. so we have to recognize that. And once we recognize that and set about to do what our ancestors told us to do long, long ago, we have a tradition. We are wandering in the wilderness, but we do have a tradition that we have to recover and imitate and repeat and go back to which, from whence we came. And that tradition is for us to combine ourselves. And then we have to apply what we need to do to a warrior enemy. That's my solution. Right. And until we come into consciousness about who we are and who they are. Brother's saying who we are. Yeah, who they are is equally as important. <laughs> because right. they are incorrigible, implacable, right. irretrievable, irreconcilable. That's what they are, have been, shall be. Call them Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, what you may. They are a close-knit group the enemy of nature, the enemy of God, and certainly the enemy of black people. Right. That's my spiel. Thank Amen. you, brother. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, Judge Stamper. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. I love it. Alfonso, you want to add in, say anything uh, to the judge's comments? Yeah, Judge, of course. It's always good to hear your voice, Baba, Baba Stamper. Much love and respect. Um, it, I mean, he on point. I mean, he on point. There's a reality to um. Uh, there's an actuality to the reality, and, and once again, it's it's going to require us to 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 think outside of what we perceive to be our relationship with these people. Yeah. These people have shown that they don't have the moral compass to lead. Yeah. They have shown they don't have the moral compass to be fair and just. To us. Right. It's not going to happen. Right. So, so at some point, we have to um, snap out of this this state of hypnosis and 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 conditioning of um, wanting or hoping or praying that these people gonna change. They're not gonna change. Um, I want to touch just a little bit on what the sister hit on because she hit on some real good points as it relates to the modification of behavior. Right. In the in the science of the modification of behavior. So she's, she's talking about from a clinical perspective, um, it's, it's called a theoretical treatment modality. Mm -hmm. A theoretical treatment modality that has to come out of an African-centered paradigm to modify our behavior. And, and in the modification of that behavior, it, it starts with understanding the principles of, of Nagugu, the Nagugu Saba, but also the principles of Ma. And, and so our ancestors have laid out a foundation for us to modify our behaviors, but we're not practicing it. We, we, we're not making this part of our lifestyle. Right. And the reality of, once again, there are going to be some people among us 
once we create this this treatment modality or theoretical orientation of code of conduct, their behavior is not going to change, and we're going to have to make some examples out of them right. to, to, show, to, to show to others the, the modification may come with a punishment. Because okay. sometimes in the, in the reward and the punishment is, once again, when that trigger of the behavior that was created that was dysfunctional, when it shows back up, it has to be modified. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so, let me. So I just want the system was good, on point with what you were talking about. Yeah, that was that was very good. Your your response to that is excellent. Let me go over here to Brother Timothy. How you doing tonight, Brother Timothy? I'm real good, brother. I'm happy that I'm real good, brother. I'm happy that a sister came before me, and all those good minds that usually come on your program came before me. I just want to add to it. I'm gonna say that you mentioned the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's name to one of the people who came on, and I said. Nobody knew white man like the messenger did. Right. And, you know, when the nation was at its height before the messenger left us, they had whitey beat. But since you went into history, you talked about Jefferson and news on Jefferson. We have to realize something about those founding fathers, right? You read the Constitution. You look at the Constitution, the document you say has nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. But it tells us something. He never, They brought us over here to die as a slave. And my thing to you, brother, is is that when you have a people like that, they're going to work you until you die and not let you be looked at as a man and a woman. We have to come about, because we went from institutional slavery, but from that to be an emancipation, the Civil War, right. and do all that with all those great leaders. And I like what you said about we are producing race people. What is the black people's agenda? Right. So you can say all you said, the people before me, the brothers and sisters, they all mean well. But we have to come up what is our agenda and what do we want? Right. Right. I like that. That's the bottom line. Right. All that stuff is, we're saying is good. But we have to come up to black people to say, do we want what Marcus Garvey and Carji Woodson and Du Bois talked about and Booker T. Washington, or do we want to be integrated into their system? We got to make a decision. Everybody's not going to be with us. Right. And that's what I think the general uh, assessment is. All right, let me go to Sister Lotus. Sister Lotus, how are you doing tonight? You got anything you want to add to this leadership discussion? Oh, this is just such a wonderful conversation. I almost can't wait for the, the link to come out so I can listen to it again. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I appreciate what um, everyone is saying, and my thing is do what they did. And we need to deprogram and reprogram and do like raise our own leaders but do it under their nose but behind their backs at the same time you know we're not going to get everybody to come on board with the same thought process and it's time for us to just accept that it's just not going to happen too many of us are completely embedded into their way of thinking we have to accept that and be able to move forward and pray that as we move forward as a community, even if we have to start smaller in order to get solid, hopefully our brothers and sisters will, will catch up with, you know, catch up later. But think about how um, uh, Barack Obama, when he first came on the scene as a senator, nobody knew who his brother was. But he was somebody already, already being groomed. That's what we need to do, is groom someone who we, we program with our own culture. You know, like the Africans um, waited a while before they named their babies, and they 
look at who these people are, when when they were born, and what are their social skills mm-hmm. based on um, astrology and nature and things like that. They knew that, and they groomed them according to that. You know, so we can do that ourselves. But what we need to do is pull out of society, even under their noses. That don't mean that we, because we're not equipped. We don't have the means to just build a whole city and walk. we are going to move over there tomorrow. That's not going to happen. Sure. But what we can do is in smaller cell groups, teach our own principles and start to deprogram the, the, the mind um the mind control that our people have been under and start at a younger age. So to be honest, we ain't got no leaders right right now, you you know, because they're too, most of them who are in position are already so saturated with this system. So we need to raise them up in the ways that they should go as, as the Bible says, but start that in a young environment where we are nurturing their gifts and we are putting things inside of them that are embedded in our culture and, and, and push them out, of, out there on the people. And, and I, I know that we can make some changes. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, Sister Benicia, you there? Is that your number? I'm not sure. Sister Benicia. Yes, Benicia. it's me. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. Okay, Good. Yes. Greetings. Uh, I love you, everyone. I love what I've heard so far. Uh, I love these seriously revolutionary conversations because they are so different. So, um, I, you know, we, I want to say we really, really need to take a reality check. Um, and we need to do that on a regular basis, take reality checks. Um, the reality is that when a revolutionary black man stands up, he will be killed. Because we are dealing with predators, and that's what they do. The Africans said, the indigenous Africans said the white men were, were hunters of, hunters rather, of men. And this was centuries ago. So, um, like what's been said, we've got to know who they are, predators, and know who we are. We're the prey. That's the reality. Doesn't mean that we're weak or anything like that. It's not a criticism, but it's the reality. And um, when we come to that reality, do what's been said. Separate. Mm -hmm. Because all the, listen, there will never be another Malcolm. There will never be another Garvey. Because they will be taken out in a heartbeat. And if everybody's paying attention, which I'm sure everybody, the brilliant people on this line, uh, are paying attention, this, the white pathology, you know, the dominators are taking away everything they can. Books, uh, so-called rights, they're doing everything they can to destroy humanity, even their own. So they're showing that predator nature right in front of our faces. And so, you know, in terms of leadership, I think in taking a a reality check, that's not going to happen. I don't know how many people know about the young leaders that have made attempts to stand up and organize and whatnot, and so many were killed silently. And I'm reading uh, some history 
in the 18, late 1800s, and the same, the conversations that we're having now, we were having it back then. So, you know, separate, we got to separate from people who want to annihilate us. I'm sorry, annihilate us. That's, that's just the truth. That's the bottom line. That's the reality check. And regroup, as everybody was saying, regroup, get, just like they did in Haiti, get rid of the ones, you know, that are, that are going to stab you in the back or, you know, do, do what Negroes right. do and, and move forward. And um, another quick thing, we need to take a, a look at our spirituality. The brother mentioned our divinity. Um, that is a double-edged sword for us, and this requires a deeper conversation. Yes. But our divinity can, um, as it has in Haiti, as it did in Haiti, um, help us to win and be victorious. On the other side, we're so easily sucked into any religion that tells us just to, you know, just to pray and wait for whatever, you know, uh, entity is going to come down and save you, um, but to be pa- to pacify you instead of creating, you know, the warrior and developing the warrior in you. So uh, we even did that in uh, in the when when Europeans invaded Africa. Right, right. You know, our own spirituality um, was we didn't use it correctly. Right. So we have to look, I'll I'll end by saying this, we have to look at ourselves, take that reality check, do some introspection. You know, how do we allow any kind of religion or spiritual system to to allow us to lose and just to sit down and take all of this crap? So anyway, I'll end there. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, Brother Quasi, I want to try to get to you. Uh, we only got a few minutes left, but uh, any comments uh, on the leadership thing that you got? No, no I'm just going to continue to listen. I just know that we have to do what we do in uh, silence, and uh, we just have to move in stealth. I mean, uh, we can't let them know what we're doing and who's who and uh, and just continue and knowing who our enemies are. And uh, I just thank you so much, both of you, uh, Doc Rogers and Brother Alfonso, for all the work that you guys continue to do and pour into me and so many people around this country. And um, just uh, just thank you a lot. And Dr. Bridges, again, yes. thank you, guys. Thank you, Brother Quasi. Right. Thank brother, you, my brother. Thank you. Brother Quasi had his own uh, program called Warrior's Way, Continue to Fight, and be on tomorrow night at uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, I mean, sorry, Wednesday night, uh, Thursday night at 6 o'clock on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, he uh, does some of this continuing thoughts of this. Uh, Brother uh, Lush, uh, we got a few minutes left. Uh, anything you want to add to this discussion? I'm just going to say good evening, everyone, and um, look forward to this continued conversation. Thank you for picking my call. Right. Well, uh, but Brother Alfonso, you heard what Brother Lush said, this continuing call. We need we need to come back and do uh, revisit this uh, discussion uh, and squeeze a little bit more juice out of this lemon because uh, I think there's some more in there and that we can get out. So in your closing thoughts, Brother Alfonso, what's some things I'm going to let you close us out? Uh, what are some things that you'd like to leave with us that you think that the, our audience needs to have? Um, I'd just like to say once again, man, it's, it's truly always a pleasure and an honor to be amongst um, um, people with African minds and African spirits um, having – um, critical conversation about the reality that we, we face 
as a collective group of people. Um, uh, like I said, I do think we. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to having further conversation and dialogue around this subject matter. Um, I'm hoping next time we, we can um, take some, some bullet points and, and have a, like a think tank type of conversation um, as it relates to um, the solution, uh, some solution-focused conversation in a think tank format. Um, so that way with the solution focus, we can come up with some action plans an action plan um, about um, the dissemination of, of the information needed to modify behavior. Because like my sister said, um, the, the concept of just being able to talk to modify behavior is not, is not happening. Um, and we have to understand the biological and chemical warfare that is being taken, that's taking place as it relates to their, the reality of the detox of our bodies that's going to be needed to help modify the behavior. So there's a lot of chemicals that we've been exposed to, that we're being exposed to, that's impacting the genomes. The genomes in the body is the genes, how your genes function, how your neurotransmitters function. Okay. So it's a much deeper conversation as it relates. It's going to take more than just having a conversation to modify the behaviors that we see in. So I think that's another conversation we need to get into. Okay, I agree. I agree 100%. And we're going to do it. We will definitely do that because this is too vital to, to overlook. Uh, the name of our program, the name of our conversation tonight uh, is that uh, we are Rasta children. Uh, we come from Zion. And if you really understand what that means and paying attention to those two words, Rastafari, children, and Zion, you'll kind of get an idea of what we were trying to say here tonight. You've got the equipment to do and make the change. you got that. Uh, just got to know how to use it. And I think that's what the things that we can surmise from our discussion tonight is how to use that uh, to make the change. you got to know who you're fighting. Uh, anybody who wages warfare one of the first things they have to do is understand the nature of the of the person that you're fighting. <clears throat> so once you do that, then you'll know what equipment you need to use and how you need to use it to do that. Uh, because it's not stopping uh, against us. Uh, people are not, the enemy is not stopping taking us out and doing all the things that they need to do to disrupt, you know, our communal life and our life as a family. And if we don't stop it or do something to thwart this, uh, this whole process, as I said, 50 years, 100 years from now, our kids will be talking the same old talk. So uh, with that, brothers and sisters, I thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll be back here next Tuesday uh, at the Black Reality Think Tank, and we look forward to seeing you then. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful and safe week. Take care. Okay. Much love, family. I and I Rasta children. I and I Rasta children. We come from Zion. We come from Zion. Even down here, Bobby. Tribulation, I am not a jackfoo vanity. 